Uh, morning, everyone. Um, just while I get set up, I would like you to think about the best gift or present you've ever received. I can see that going over about halfway through. Um, so I have two answers to this question. Notes are the wrong way around. Um, the first is my um, Uncle John once gave me his electric guitar, and it was the first electric guitar I had, um, and that really kick-started a love of music, of playing music. Um, and the second one was a, uh, a present from my dad. Um, me and my brother loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and if you don't know, these are some... There they are. Um, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, for those that are wondering. Um, these were some human-sized turtles that had learned martial arts from a human-sized rat and used those skills to fight crime. The why is not important. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, one Christmas, uh, me and my brother had all the, had all the figures. Um, and what we really wanted for Christmas was a, uh, like the sewer playset. It's basically their base, so we could play with our figures in this base. Um, and Christmas Day came and went. And we got lots of lovely presents, but unfortunately, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sewer was not one of them. Now, we were staying with my grandma and granddad, um, and mum and dad had to go back home for a few days without us, presumably for work. Um, and so you can imagine my joy and surprise when we got home after a few days with grandma and granddad and found out that my dad had made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sewer. Way bigger and better than the version that we could have got from the shops. And it was amazing. And so, obviously, me and my brother were overwhelmed. We were really happy. We looked at it. We thanked mum and dad over and over and over again. We looked at it some more. And then we just left it. Obviously not. We played with it. We got the figures out straight away. I, I, in my memory, we said thank you. I hope we said thank you. Mum and dad, if you're watching, thank you, uh, just in case. No, we, we played with it. My dad had spent ages making this thing for us to play with it, not just to look at it. My uncle gave me a guitar to play it, to make music with it. Because gifts have a purpose. If you buy someone flowers, you want to see them in a vase on display. If you buy someone some clothes or some jewellery, you want to see them wearing it. If you buy food for someone, you want to know that they've eaten it and that they have enjoyed it. Gifts are always given for a purpose. There's something we're supposed to do with them, to improve our life in some way, to bring some joy. And God's gifts are no different. Every gift of God is given to us for a purpose, to be used, to bless us, us and to bless others, to bring joy to ourselves and to bring joy to others. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's the title, Gifted for a Purpose, because over the last five weeks, we've been talking about two amazing gifts that God has given us through Jesus. Number one, we have a new identity. We are new creations through Jesus. And number two, because of that new identity, we now belong in God's family. And that's why at the start of um, our passage for today, Paul says, the first three words of chapter three, for this reason... Because he's spent chapters 1 and 2 of Ephesians explaining these gifts, um, and it's incredible stuff. The fact that we now have a brand new identity in Christ. Not our own identity, not a human one, a heavenly identity through the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of that, we belong in the family of God. 
And you get to the end of chapter two, and um, I don't know about you, like we spent five weeks on this in church, and we've barely scratched the surface. And you get to the end of chapter two, and to be honest, you need to lie down. And then you look up, and it's like, there's more? There's a chapter three? And a four, and five, and six. Stick around, but I'm just on chapter three today. Um, but, but these are important words at the start for this reason. As mind-blowing as these gifts are, it's the start of something. They have been given to us for a reason. Um, and obviously an appropriate response to the gifts is worship, as we've been doing this morning. Um, when I received the guitar, when I received the turtles, as I said, I hope, there was a moment of being overwhelmed with joy at receiving the gift. There was a moment of gratitude. But that then moved into using them. What was the purpose? So let's read from Ephesians 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 13 um, and see what Paul has to say about this. What is this reason he is talking about? For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's gift that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus." I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Um, So the first thing that Paul brings out here is the people God has for us to reach. This is the who of our purpose. In verse 1, Paul refers to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. Um, And then later in verse 8, he says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unspeakable riches of Christ. Now, in the Old Testament and to Paul's audience for this letter, the word Gentile Um, It's a bit strange to us, but it would have been a word that they understood clearly. It simply meant a non-Jew. So that was someone that was outside of God's promises, because the Jews were the people that um, God had chosen, and he had given all his promises to. That changes in the New Testament. That changes with Jesus. Um, As we read in verse 6, it says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. And we've kind of got used to this idea now in a presumably largely Gentile audience, um, but this was, this was crazy talk back in Paul's day, that Gentiles could come together and be part of God's promises, just like the people of Israel. 
as Paul explains, in the promised in Christ Jesus. That's what made it possible. So for us, reading this today, a Gentile simply means someone outside of God's promises. So that is someone who hasn't yet um, understood that they can have a new identity in Christ, and someone who hasn't yet been welcomed into or realized that they can be welcomed into the family of God. They haven't received the gifts that Paul has been talking about up to this point. And this has always been the plan. This isn't a new idea that Paul's had and sent to the Ephesians. Um, At creation, God's first instruction to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and increase in number and subdue the earth. Noah, just after the flood, after creation's kind of been reset and restarting, God says, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus, his last instruction to his disciples before he goes back to the Father. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. And in his first sermon after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter signs off with this line. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and all who are far off. God's purpose is for his family to grow. God doesn't have a shortage of blessing. Um, He hasn't got a shortage of rooms in his house. There isn't a set number of people that can be welcomed into this incredible blessing. God's purpose is for his family to grow and grow and grow. And the purpose is that every time someone else is added into that family, every time someone discovers their new identity in Christ, the purpose of that is for you to spread the news, spread the love. Tell people how you have been changed by Jesus. Tell people, I have become part of this incredible, eternal, international family, and you can join in too. Now that, on one hand, sounds massive, because it is. It's everyone. It's the whole world. That's a big big job. But actually, it also makes things very simple. You see, you don't have to look far for someone that God wants you to reach, because everyone is all around us as well. Your neighbor, the people you work with, family members, the person who makes your coffee every morning, if that's not already a family member. If they don't know Jesus, if they have not experienced the joy of becoming a new creation through what Jesus did for them, then God wants you to show them how it's changed you. If they have not yet been welcomed into God's family, God wants you to tell them how amazing it is. Now, to do this, we have to make sure we know people outside of God's family. This is the challenge here. Um, you know, you can't, Jesus, when he gave the Great Commission, he said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, sit around and wait, and hopefully they'll come to you. We have to know people that are outside of God's family. We have to get out of a Christian bubble and make sure that there are people who we can reach that need to hear this good news. Um, now, as I've touched on, everyone is a lot of people. Um, Somewhere around seven and a half billion at the moment, if you want the numbers. Um, But 
this purpose goes beyond personal evangelism. When we te- te- generally, when we talk about sharing the gospel, um, telling people about the good news of Jesus, we, in, our initial reaction is along the lines of personal evangelism, which is good. That is a big part of it. But as our, the first gift is a change of identity, that's quite a personal one, the second gift is our place of belonging. We can become part of a community, and that's because this is a team effort. God has given us a place to belong, and that place to belong is where we are fulfilling our purpose. Um, now, um, spoiler, I'm going to talk about the church. That's the place. Um, but now God has given us um, jobs, people we know, communities that we're part of, that we are called to um, serve in, serve out a purpose as part of. But that is never going to be as effective as it could be if you are not plugged into the global church through a local church. Um, let's read verses 9 to 11 um, in Ephesians 3 and see, um, find out a bit more about what Paul's talking about here. To make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, his, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, there is a lot of mind-blowing things in those three verses. Um, so I want to pick out a few of them. First of all, Paul almost casually throws in that God created all things. Um, In the Psalms, we read, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God's options are not limited. He can choose or create whatever he wants or needs to fulfill his purposes. So when we read later on what God wants to do with the church, we need to know because of this, he created all things. So him choosing the church isn't him going, I've got this or this. Neither's great, but I'll go with the church. God has every available option, and he has chosen you. He has chosen his church out of every possible option that already exists or could exist. You guys were God's first choice out of everything. So then in verse 10 and 11, we find out why God has chosen the church says that his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So um, there's a, I'll start with manifold, because that's a bit of a strange word. Um, it's not talking about folding humans in half. Um, he is talking about, uh, manifold means, um, what's my definition? Many and various. Um, or the New Living Translation, this is the NIV on the screen, but the New Living Translation, um, instead of the word manifold, uses wisdom in its rich variety. So the purpose of the church is to show all of God's wisdom, every possible part of it, every aspect of God's wisdom and character and beauty. It is our job to display. Now, um, The second part of this involves a slightly embarrassing confession from me. I have been a Christian for a long time, um, and I've read this verse many, many times. And I've always, it's it's an amazing truth. We are to show the manifold wisdom of God. And I've 
kind of read that bit and then not properly focused on the rest of the sentence. Because my understanding has always been that our job is to show God's wisdom in all its glory to the rest of the world. But actually, for the first time, I read it properly in preparing this morning. That sentence finishes with, in the heavenly realms. We are not, we are here to show God's wisdom to the rest of the world. There's plenty of other verses in the Bible that tell us that. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. We are displaying God's wisdom in the heavenly realms. Right now, God is calling over the angels like, guys, come over here. Look, look at all of this. Look at Redeemer. Display my wisdom to the world. Look at it. It's brilliant. When we welcome new members in, Ian and Marjorie, he was calling them over. He's like, guys, get your high hats on. Pull out the streamers. New members are joining a family of uh, a local church. And that's happening in heaven. Not just on earth. It's beautiful that we show God's wisdom to earth. But God has chosen you to display his wisdom to the angels. And he's also chosen us to display his wisdom to darker spiritual realms. Because it's not just the, the angels see this and they celebrate and God's excited. But Satan's army see this and go, oh my goodness, we are in trouble. Finally, in verse 11, we read that this is according to his eternal purpose. God isn't falling back on the church because he's tried a few things out and maybe it worked for a bit and then didn't, you know, last. Or he's tried a few things, they've worked for a bit and then he's gone, there's this church thing over here, I'll give that a try. This is his eternal purpose. The church is not the backup plan. It's not part of the plan. It's not a, it's not a good plan that he thought was worth a try. The church is the plan. God's eternal plan. So to bring it all together, we are God's first choice out of every possible option. We have always been God's choice. And he has chosen us to display his wisdom here on earth and in the heavenly realms. As John Stock puts it, the church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colourful backgrounds. No other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique. The many-coloured fellowship of true church is a reflection of the many-coloured wisdom of God. Or Bill Hybels puts it like this. There is nothing like the local church when it is working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. And I think that, that can kind of be a bit in contrast to what we think of when we hear the word church. It's easy to think of a old dusty, large, high-ceiling building with not a lot of people in, um, you know, sort of dry liturgy. Um, it doesn't inspire excitement in the way that Paul is trying to here. Because the church, as Paul describes it, as John Stott and Bill Hybels have described it, is an international movement that brings physical healing, mental healing, release from addiction, from slavery, protection for the weak, 
homes for the homeless. It is a place of belonging, of love, and joy. Now imagine tomorrow morning you got an email asking you to be part of an organisation with that tagline. That is what this passage is. That is a, is a job offer from the creator of the universe to join an organisation like that. And that is why there have been people here since half past eight this morning. It is why um, life group leaders give up their time and open their homes every week. It's why we're excited when new members join the church. It's why we join with other churches, like we did last week for the Pentecost celebration. It's why we're going to eat together after the service today. It's why all of those announcements we heard earlier, it's why we do those. We don't, um, we don't do it just because we need to fill some time and, and tick some boxes. We do it because we believe that we are feeding into every time ladies get together and eat pudding, every time men get together to camp and burn stuff. We believe we are doing that. We are building something that is magnificent, or we are part of building something magnificent with enormous and eternal significance. So don't miss out. Join a church. Join a local church. It doesn't have to be here. We'd love it if it is. Um, If it is, join us for Get Connected on Thursday. Um, But wherever you go, really join. It is such an incredible privilege to be part of an organisation like the one I've been talking about. To be part of a local church that is really working. So don't miss out by floating on the fringes. Don't miss out by going to a different church every weekend. Join. Get stuck in. It is an incredible blessing to be part of a church where this is happening. Where people join and then very quickly they are all in. So... We are part of God's eternal plan to show his wisdom in all its fullness and all its variety to the whole world, to every person in every nation, and to the heavenly realms. That's the big picture. Now, hopefully, we've got to this point and you're going, yes, come on! Where do I fit in? Tell me what my bit to play is. Let's do this! But you might also be thinking, excellent. Sounds like God's got this under control. He's been thinking about this for a while. Um, I'll just sit back, enjoy the refreshments and the music, and let him take care of it. Or you're thinking, my goodness, that sounds like an awful lot. That is a big deal, and there is no way I can contribute to that. But whatever you're thinking, God has a part for you to play. And it is a part that only you can play. Everyone here has a unique role to fulfilling God's kingdom. Because God's manifold wisdom is really varied. And we each display that in a different way. So the church cannot as effectively display God's manifold wisdom without all of us playing our part. In um, verse 6 of chapter 3, we read, uh, we've already read it once this morning, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body. Um, Now, as I said earlier, a Gentile is someone that wasn't Jewish, and a Jew, or Israel, meant someone that is Jewish. Gentiles plus Jews is everyone. There is no third category that is excluded. There is no third category that you can be part of that isn't involved in this. Um, Later on in Ephesians, in chapter 4, we read, From him, the whole body 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. Um, Similarly, in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8, we read, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We all have a part to play. Whether that seems like a huge significant part or a tiny one, we all have a part to play. And it is the part that God has given you. And because God has given it to you, it has significance. For example, did you know that if you cut off your little toe, you wouldn't be able to walk very well? Little toes don't seem like much, but walking's quite a big deal. So whether you're a little toe or the thigh or something else, we all have a unique part to play. The time, the gifts, the resources God has given you give you a unique part to play. As Roy talked about two weeks ago, the dry stone wall. Every part is important, but every part is unique and different. The church cannot display God's multifaceted wisdom as effectively without you. So how do we practically outwork this? You know, it's all very, very good me saying to you, you've got a part to play. Good luck. How do we actually find out what that is? Um, here's three tips. First of all, revelation. We can ask God. We believe that God speaks to us. We believe that he guides us. We believe that that is a promise, not just a hope that he might give us some guidance. It is a promise that he will. In Psalm 119, we read, his word is a lamp to our feet. So God speaks. If we're listening, he will give us guidance. Secondly, consultation. We can ask others. Um, there's two aspects to this. First of all, God will speak to other people on your behalf sometimes. So you can get messages for yourself of guidance for you, but you will also hear messages of guidance for other people, and they will hear messages of guidance for you. Secondly, others can often see our gifts better than we can. Sometimes a gift that you've been given just seems like, oh yeah, everyone could do this. Um, But it takes a family member or a friend to speak into your life and say, no, that's quite special that you can do that. You've been gifted um, specifically. Finally, experimentation. Just give something a go. Uh, My dad is convinced that he would have been a world champion pole vaulter had he been given the chance at school, but he never got the chance. I did get the chance to try pole vault at school, so I am 100% convinced that I was never supposed to be a world champion pole vaulter. But I got a chance to try, and now I know. So just try something, you know. Join a serving team. If, it, if you don't like it, fine. Join a different serving team. Try a different way to serve. Serving teams aren't the only way to serve at church, but if you're not sure where your gifts best fit, they are a great place to start. Um, but there's more. We don't just get given gifts um, of, from God 
um, and told our part. And then he says, good luck. Off you go. God gives us power to fulfill our purpose. And this is some serious power. As Al told us a few weeks ago, it is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. In verse 7 and 8 of Ephesians 3, Paul says that he has become a servant of this gospel by the grace of God through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all God's people, this grace was given me. We are not given a purpose in order to earn God's grace. We get given God's grace, and that empowers us to serve him. We've been answering three big questions as we've gone through Ephesians. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what am I living for? And they are in that order for a very good reason. You need to know who you are in Christ, and you need to know that you have a secure place in his family and church And then you build a purpose on that foundation. Society usually gives it to us the other way around. If you find out what you're supposed to be doing, your calling in life, then you can build an identity around that. You can find a place of belonging around that. We're usually talking about our um, paid employment in that sense. And I've been there. I've got that order the wrong way around. Um, And God eventually got me to see things in the right order. As he says um, earlier in Ephesians in chapter 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's not the other way around. We have not been created to do good works so that we can become God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, not to earn that recreation and new identity. We have been created in Christ Jesus. We have been given a new identity so we can be empowered to do good works. 